Good morning. This is Atanya for the 15th of Adar. Yesterday we learned that Torah study is the only space where God's presence rests ever since the destruction of the holy temples in Jerusalem. When you study Torah, you host God. But what about a person who is occupied with his job and raising his family and helping others so that he doesn't really have much time to study Torah? If, when a window of opportunity opens up for him to study, and he makes use of that opportunity, he proves that he would have liked to spend more time doing this, and therefore God considers his aspiration and desire to learn as if he had actually spent the time studying Torah. But what about women? Women spend most of their days dealing with household affairs, which doesn't leave much time for Torah study. They don't even have the obligation to study as the men do. Is there a way for women to host God and enable him to dwell in this world? The Hasidim of the Alter Rebbe approached him with a similar complaint. Their work occupied most of their day, and they did not have as much time as they would have wished to study Torah. The Alter Rebbe writes, The rest of the day, when one is occupied with business matters, can be considered creating an abode for God in this world, too. How so? When you earn money, you give charity and do other acts of kindness using the resources you have. This makes you the extension of God's right hand, which is his attribute of kindness. Okay, but very often we are just busy living and not necessarily working. How can we create a home for God in this world through all the time that we spend on just casual everyday living? Or even if you've taken from your earnings and given charity, let's say you gave not even 10%, but you gave the maximum 20% of your earnings to charity. This demonstrates your generosity and it's very helpful to the recipient. But what about the remaining 80% of the money? Nothing holy was done with that part. Does that mean it remains as mundane as ever before? So here's the wonderful news. The part of money donated to charity elevates to God the remaining parts as well. The same applied to the sacrifices offered in the temple in Jerusalem. By offering one sacrifice on the altar, all animals would ascend to holiness, and all plants would be elevated by a, by a single handful of flour offered on the altar. What this means is, all your mundane affairs can easily be elevated into holiness, making those areas of your life as holy and God-friendly as the parts that you specifically set aside for God. When you give charity, donate some food to the needy, or help another person, all the food you ate that gave you energy and all the money you earned become holy and a receptacle to God's presence and light. This is a truly morale-boosting, joyful, and motivating perspective to keep in mind. With this, we have concluded the topic of joy, which has been the focus of the last nine chapters of the Tanya. We started off by understanding the, import the importance of living joyfully. We learned that sometimes the heart feels numb and indifferent, and what to do about that. We began to discern the difference between depression, which drags you down, and bitterness, which agitates you and stirs you to strive to improve. In the middle of all this, we veered off topic a bit in chapter 32 to discuss love. We finished off by identifying a number of good reasons to rejoice despite our pain and discontent. And yet, the joy that we end up experiencing does not contradict simultaneously feeling pain and bitterness. These mixed feelings stem from two different things. Pain and discontent stem from the reality that your body and animals will retain their attraction and predilection for negativity. The contentment and joy and ease in your heart stems from your innate essence, your godly soul, which remains untaintable, pure, and innocent. Conflicts of emotion regarding a single situation is a normal state of being, and it's due to the fact that there are different aspects to every scenario. Once, Rabbi Eliezer was taught by his father, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, deep secrets about the destruction of the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. 
Afterwards, Rabbi Eliezer said that he had mixed feelings about the experience, immense sadness, and great happiness. Sadness about the destruction because now he truly understood the magnitude of what was lost. And yet, also joy because of the incredible secrets of the Torah that he had heard. This demonstrates that when there are differing causes, our hearts can feel opposing emotions at the same time. Both are true and correct. Tomorrow we will, God willing, move on to a new vital topic of discussion. What is the purpose of life and of creation in general? Have a wonderful day.